Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi, and I have forgotten how to start a podcast. <laughs> I was looking at the recording button, like doing nothing. Um, so, welcome. Today, I have um, the lovely and talented Lisa Murphy. Hello. Good morning. And the lovely and talented Dan Hodgins. <laughs> Hi there. Good morning. And we're going to talk about bullying in early childhood because it seems like for some reason it's popped up on social media in a few different places. And um, I'm not really sure why it's back. Like I remember a few years ago, it kind of made the rounds and was a hot topic. Um, and, and now it's back and it, it pisses me off, frankly. <laughs> that tell we're, us why? Tell us why it makes you why, Well, I mean, just part of it is the, fa- the idea that we have to pathologize everything about children and there has to be a label. And, um, and uh, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's an offshoot of that playing teacher where it's not about really being in here with these kids it's about my expertise and um using words like bullying to describe what's happening i can sort of i don't know i i'm i'm going in i'm going to go in circles now but i just because i don't think it's possible for a, a child between especially birth and five birth of five to be an intentional bully and i don't think it helps anybody really truly to think about it in that way I agree. Dan? I agree. You know, I asked a question on Facebook and- uh, you How know, dare how, you? I how dare out, you? <laughs> I throw yeah. out these things. That but that was, that was the result of something people. else we'd seen, right? Because I, <laughs> right, we'd seen it somewhere else. Right. And you emailed me about recording it and then you post your question and I was like, yeah, what and is And that this? got a huge yes. response in the way that I was surprised again. And that was- um, you know, the fact that there are so many people who believe that bullies start essentially from birth and and move on from there. And I thought, well, wait a minute here. Uh, did you forget your child development, your early childhood <laughs> education? Where did that go? How did it happen yeah. that you could say that? Uh, and I, to be honest, I was shocked yeah. that there was that many people who felt strongly that we need to stop it now before it happens. It's like, you know, stop eating a lot of food as preschoolers, so then you won't be obese later on. I'm thinking, <laughs> this has nothing to do with this. Yeah. So so let's start like um uh well let's define the term. Let's 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 lay out a definition out there before we get further. Um so this is from stopbullying.gov and it defines bullying as unwanted aggressive behavior among, and they specifically say school-age children, so among school-age children that involves a real or perceived power imbalance, the behavior is repeated over time. So what we said before we started recording is it seems to be about a repeated pattern and about power. Um, so so let's just put that I, out there I, and keep going. I had never heard the word bully affiliated with what I would say our age group, right? Infant, toddler, preschool, pre-K, maybe K. Mm-hmm. I, I really never associated with, I, I don't, I, I think I would be actually hard pressed to even say that I had seen behavior that could be labeled as bullying. Um, I, I get very concerned that um, any, any, any kind of aggressive behavior between children 
um, gets labeled, uh, you know, and, and, and for the record, I mean, to clarify, I mean, I, I appreciate that there are some school age, middle school, high school kids who are on the oh, definitely of some absolutely shitty behavior. I'm, I'm not in any way poo-pooing that. Right. But I do think that the conversation specific to early childhood needs to be perhaps a different conversation. I, I think the word gets used. I think it, it's, it's exaggerated occasionally. Um, and I, I, I had a, I did a six and a half miles before I jumped on here with you guys. Oh, today. So I had a little bit of time <laughs> to see where my brain was going to go with it. And I'll be honest with you where my brain kept going with this, with this topic for today was that if we're approaching children individually, if we're being facilitators, if we're teaching them how to navigate social situations, giving them language, sitting with them during periods of time where they aren't happy, where they could be very frustrated. When we really kind of, once again, go back to the relationship piece, you know, I, I think we have real time opportunities to deal with whatever the behavior mm -hmm. is. Like I get frustrated when it has, <clears throat> what, why does it have to be bullying behavior or aggressive behavior? Why can't it just be behavior? And then we respond yeah. to that behavior accordingly. To your teacher comment though, Heather, I will say that if we are overly focused on staying on task and doing our curriculum and getting to circle time and staying on the schedule, we, we, we think that sitting in those other in-between places is not as important. And I think this kind of behavior that might be labeled as bullying, we're going to see during that time frame. Like, honestly, I mean, I do think that there are bullying problems in early childhood programs, but it's but I don't think bullying it's, kids. Yeah, I think it's the teachers <laughs> bullying each other and the teachers bullying kids. Yes, yes. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Plus, to go along with what Lisa's saying, I, I, we need to start separating aggressive behavior from assertive mm -hmm. behavior because I see very little aggressive behavior. To me, aggressive behavior is planning and hurting and destroying something mm -hmm. and then following through with it and then enjoying it. Mm. That's, that's aggressive behavior. I see very little aggressive behavior. I but see I, more assertive behavior. Yeah. And what we're doing is we're labeling natural assertive behavior as quote bullying uh, behavior now. And that's where my biggest concern is we've we somehow have removed um, natural, assertive, independent, which is what we want of, of children, especially early childhood children, as now being a bully. Yeah. And I think it's often used knee jerky, like, yes. like knee jerky. And yeah. I think it also brings up conversation about how teachers see the children, right? Have they pigeonholed <clears throat> that kid already from day one? Oh, I bet that, you know, where you're hollering out Jonathan's name before you even look up to see, you right. know, who, what the, what the situation even is, you know, I think that plays into it too. Oh, he, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Just, well, and so I think some people too will say, well, it was intentional. I saw him get up and walk over to that child. And, but that's not, that's not planned. Even, I mean, planning to be really aggressive and to be bullying. I, to me, to make that case to me, I've got to see a child really ruminating on it yeah. for a while and then yes. getting up and saying, well, today's the day I'm yeah. letting him have it today. And this specific kid's getting it because of our power imbalance. Yeah. And I yeah. just don't think that they have the, the, uh, the brain development 
to think and plan out and act in that way. So it may look like they did it quote unquote on purpose when they've hurt another child, but that's not the same, I think, as this kind of aggression that we're, that we're talking about with bullying at this age group. You know, what would be interesting is if we had a call-in panel right now, if everybody could give us an example of what maybe in their experience, they would label as bullying in, in, in with the younger, with the younger. Right. So we could talk through each of those kinds of things. Cause I think too, there's, and I think this comes out, especially in biting with toddlers. There's, there is one kid who tends to be the one who's getting bitten. So, and sometimes there are, there is sort of a pair. This is the bite. This is the one doing the biting. This is the one being bitten. Um, but I don't chalk that up to, and I have not seen, and I've, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. We've all been doing this long enough to say we have a good set of data, <laughs> anecdotal data. Um, in that case, I think it's more often the case that they're in the same area of the room because they have the same interests and then they have those breakdowns in their skills interacting with each other or handling big feelings. And so there's that behavior that we call bullying. And because it's always the same two kids, well, then it really must be bullying because it's a a recognized victim and and a recognized bully. Even if there were bullies, let's say that there, let's say give the idea that there are bullies in early childhood. Why would we want to focus on the bully? We should be focusing on the victim because you don't have bullies unless you have an audience, right? Would yeah. we all agree on that, that you really don't have a bully unless you have an audience kind of thing? So why would we want to support the bully's behavior? We should be going to the audience and looking at doing our natural kinds of thing. Tell him that you don't want his hand mm-hmm. in your eyeball. You know, <laughs> thing. You know, Which is that, not that, the same as victim blaming. Because exactly. I, I hear people's wheels clicking on that too. Right. It's not the same right. as victim blaming. It's, well, let's figure out what skills each of these kids exactly. need to exactly. do better next time. Yes. And so I worry that we, even if there were bullies that were focusing on um, the wrong um, strategies um, to use. I mean, I just did a major workshop and, and people were talking about children who were saying, um, I don't like you anymore. You can't be my friend. Yeah. That's bullying. Yeah. I'm thinking, wait a minute, there are people I don't like. Yes. <laughs> I might not tell them, but I learned that as an adult. Yeah. I didn't learn that as an early and childhood person. That's, I saw that on social media too, Dan. Yeah. So maybe that person who posted that on a different group was in your I, session and that's why she posted I, it. What? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think also, and now, now we're going to channel Tamar Jacobson for a minute here. Okay. How, how many of us maybe get frustrated by behaviors that we see in children because of how, you know, we have we have unfinished business. Yes. Um, my my favorite psychology professor used to say your your psychic chickens come home to roost in your marriage. I love so, that. I love isn't it. Isn't that beautiful? And and I would say the same thing with teaching. Is your psychic mm-hmm. chickens chickens come home to roost? Who said that? Uh, oh. My, okay. My, never. Uh, a psych professor. Okay. Um. Sorry. And 
And, but it's so true. It like, is. You didn't even know that that was something that bugged you or you had some unfinished business or maybe you were bullied or you were pushed around or teased or whatever. Yeah. And so now it's, it's carrying over. So of course you potentially have an overreaction to certain behaviors that we yeah. see in the classroom. So that reminds me, and I just, I screenshotted it because I wanted to keep thinking about it. And this was on your post, I think, Dan, but Mike Huber commented yes. um, and he said, it's the acceptable term for mean. It's expected behavior from adults who feel powerless to use terms like bullying, but it shouldn't be accepted. So, um, I mean, there's two things I like about that. We are, as I say all the time, very good at euphemisms. We change yeah. the name, but we don't change the game. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we call it bullying and we think that makes it better, but we're really still talking about mean kids or bad kids. Um, but also this idea that adults feel powerless. So they use the term bullying. I wanted to, to, to hear what you guys thought about that. Um, I, I think I would agree with that. I'm finding myself at a loss for explaining why. Yeah. I, so I think this is maybe most I did too. That's why I made you talk first, but I think maybe I have something to say now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I think it goes back to the whole, the reason that gimmicks are so powerful. You go to a conference and there's a workshop that promises you a product that's going to help you with the behavior problems in your room. And you're feeling powerless to deal with these and I'm quote unquote behavior problems. That's not something I usually say about, you know, if I'm just talking about me and my practice, um, so giving it a term like bullying, well then, well now I can look up bullying. Well, now I have a direction to go. Um, there's a bajillion elementary school anti-bullying programs that I can use in my preschool now. So maybe that's where that- Well, yeah, go back to what Dan said too about the audience. You know, if, if we didn't have an audience for that, then we wouldn't have products that we would have to Yeah, sell. that's what I mean. Yeah. And, and maybe it's because of this feeling of powerlessness because they've not ever really been given tools or views or lenses to really work with what we see as this problem with children. And but, but, but I'll go grab that Band-Aid because um, yeah. it yeah. was buy one, get one and share one with my co-teacher. And now yeah. we have a bullying Band-Aid <laughs> right. as a metaphor, right? Yes, this, exactly. this $99 kit. You but know. we would go back to the idea that um, young children are very egocentric in their behavior. Mm -hmm. and, and need we, to be. Right, which means that I don't recognize that others exist. I don't look at it as selfish at all. It's just what I don't recognize. You would have to have a skill to recognize that others exist to be a bully. Mm -hmm. if oh, you're sure, me, yeah. Because you really can't intimidate. You can't um, give some falsehood. You can't um, recognize that somebody else um, might want to be your friend or not be your friend, um, unless you have those kind of social yeah. skills. And, and Lisa mentioned it earlier, relationship mm. skills that would um, manifest itself. And that doesn't occur yeah. um, in early childhood. It occurs later on in development. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take a risk of people really getting pissed off at me and say, if you have a good attuned, uh, uh, unconditional positive regard kind of relationship with a child you would never think to use the word bully to describe that child I, I i don't think i mean i'm gonna i'll stand with that i'll, I'll just put that out there and stand think, with that but i think heather you could even make that even more general i think the uh the unconditional positive regard attitude from the adult towards the children would never use any of that labeling kind yeah. of yeah yes 
or mm. that lab labeling language. But I was gonna, I was gonna be overly, uh, overly uh, cerebral and say, so if you actually saw true bullying behavior, would that be some indicator of development? You know what I'm saying? Like, like true intentional wanting to cause harm would imply theory of mind, right? That right. would imply that I can understand that you have a feeling and that I'm on purpose, I'm, I'm on purpose, I'm pu purposefully um, making you feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm aware that I am being mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I also hear people now sort of pushing back as they listen and saying, well, of course, some children have theory of mind. It's, it's developing, it's emerging. It's not a consistent thing we can expect all the time. And, and the developmental task for them is to figure themselves out. And they have moments of taking other people's perspective, but to, to have that as an expectation for consistent behavior is un, unrealistic and inappropriate. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, if, if that's what we really saw, then we would be like, oh, their cognitive skills are really, <laughs> are really a little bit ahead of the checklist. <laughs> you know, this is such a, I'm going to be honest, this is such a frustrating topic mm -hmm. to me because, uh, and Lisa and I talked a little bit about this, there's just not a lot of stuff out there that supports the idea that there might not possibly be bullies in early childhood. Yeah. It's, it's swung to the area where, um, you know, that uh, there, there's lots of bullying and we need to do something about it early. You know, Leo Topin said that if a child is placed in a failure experience, he or she will do anything to avoid that feeling. Mm -hmm. And that means hurting or hurting someone or themselves at times. So therefore, the responsibility needs to go back to the adult mm -hmm. who then has to say to themselves, what, how am I causing failure so that therefore I don't have to prove myself mm -hmm. uh, and get myself out of that? And, mm -hmm. and I think that it's easier again to say, I have not caused the failure as an adult. The child has instigated that. Mm -hmm. So again, it goes back to the idea of if there, if I am inducing or inviting failure, then I'm going to get uh, behavior that people don't like. Uh, and I think part of it is looking at, then what do I need to do to change that so failure doesn't exist? Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot harder to think about Definitely. than just saying we have bullies and yeah. we're going to get rid of them. Yeah. Does that and make sense at all? It does. And that, that whole idea that a child will do anything to avoid experiencing failure is heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's really not that difficult to set up environments where children don't have to worry about whether or not they're failing constantly. Right, right. Um, and isn't it true that it's easier to uh, get an enemy than it is to get a friend? Mm -hmm. All I have to do is slap them and call them a name. And yeah. I've got an enemy. It's so easy yeah. to, do. <laughs> yes. but to develop a relationship that's positive mm -hmm. requires a whole different set of schemes, a whole different set of development. Yeah. So I think the, the question comes from, or the, the, the focus on bullying um, in the, in our settings comes from this thinking that or wondering if there's something we could be doing where we recognize that it's a problem when children and adults are older, is there something we can do now? 
And I think there is, I don't think it's anti-bullying campaigns. I don't think it's um, behavior plans for kids. We think are bullies. I think it's doing everything we can to make sure they leave fully, um, uh, with, with that they, they get every chance they can when they're with us to just develop as healthy <laughs> people, to practice, right? To, to be practice supported skills. and to practice skills in a safe environment with adults who understand what's really going on and, um, you know, can offer that little bit of coaching when it's needed and, um, recognize, you know, be self-reflective, you know, with our own practices. So, so there's definitely things we can do, but it's not buying a packaged curriculum of anti-bullying that's easy. Stuff, it's yeah. too easy. And then we think that we did what we needed to do there. I bought the, I bought the yeah. kit. This kid's the still kit. not responding. He must yep. just be that bad. Well, it must be the kid, right? Because <laughs> the, you know, clearly the kit wouldn't be defunct. <laughs> right. It's evidence-based. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, if we had an answer, I think that boss had the answer. And that was creating a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. If we create that sense of belonging, which is everybody wants to feel part of something. If we create that sense of belonging, then it shows acceptance. It shows trust, which I think all children and adults need in their development. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of climate um, invites children to be to demonstrate behavior that's natural for them. Mm -hmm. And I think to reject one versus the other is part of this whole reason why uh, we get people who classify children as um, uh, neglectful, as hurtful. But if we really believe in accepting all children, we would have to accept the child that says, I hate you, as the child who says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love Mm -hmm. you kind of thing but yeah. we don't yeah in terms of the process we really don't accept all children no. so therefore if you can't be the best at something i'll be the worst at it because that seems because i still be- get your attention exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> in terms of approach so you know and i don't mean to make it sound easy but it it because creating a sense of belonging is not easy mm-hmm. but it certainly i think is an answer Versus buying the bully kit. Yeah. I think it's easy if we really believe that it's true. True. Where I think creating a sense of belonging in an early childhood environment, when that becomes troublesome, is when the adults have drunk the Kool-Aid and aren't willing to admit that they drunk the Kool-Aid, that the old uh, controlling, rigid, stay on schedule, playing teacher, that, that if there is that place in your soul that that's what you think you really should be doing, then I think creating a sense of belonging is very challenging. But yes. if you are 100% invested in relationships and being together and not worrying about the letter of the day, it becomes a lot easier. True, true. Yeah. So, so let's talk about things we can do to create a sense of belonging. How do we do it? Oh, you buy a poster and you put it on the wall. <laughs> you call everybody friends. <laughs> and pat them on the head. <laughs> yeah, you do a theme of me, myself, and I. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but only in September. But only right. in September when we're all new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you just described the, the main thing for me, Lisa, and that is your own attitude and your own goal as a teacher, as an adult in that group of, of young children. Um, but then I also think your view of the child is key. And you touched on that too. I think both of you, if we see them as 
either empty pitchers, um, dry sponges, um, or um, problems to be solved, then they already don't belong, right? <laughs> You've already gone in and they don't belong in your system. If you, if you're on your first day, you're thinking, well, I've got a, I'm a teacher. So I fix kids. I change kids um, rather than I'm about, I'm a human and I'm about to spend some time with a bunch of other humans. And um, what do we all need? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And I think what's this last week, I did quite a few, um, workshops. And one of the things that seemed to pop up, which you guys know this as presenters, like, you know, you start hanging, you start talking about like multiple days in a row and, and kind of touching on the same somewhat subject. And then all of a sudden the the gig evolves on its own into something more beautiful and more magic. And (laughs) and one of the exciting things that has popped out is, uh, is an acknowledgement that we evolve into becoming more comfortable with shedding some of those trappings. You mm. know what I'm saying? That you have to, you know, your first, second year of teaching, you're, you're probably not. You're probably clinging hard to the anti-bullying kit that you got at the conference. But by year five, six, seven, especially if you've had the opportunity to be around people who are further down the path, mm-hmm. I think, you know, evolving into being more comfortable with saying that, creating a sense of belonging is my ultimate goal here, that I'm a facilitator within this space. It's, I, I don't teach anybody anything. That's not my mm-hmm. job. Um, but anyway, that's just what I was going to say, that, you, that this could be something that gets easier as you get more you know, time in the game, mm-hmm. so to speak. <clears throat> if, you, if you are a learner person, yeah. If you're reflecting <laughs> on your practice yes. on a regular basis. If, that if you're not really, then it just stays the same. That's true. If you're blowing the dust off that box that says it's May now, blow the blow the dust off the May box. <laughs> I love the idea, Lisa, of shedding skin or shedding um, ideas or evolving um, and then moving forward in terms of that. Pro- I mean, that visual is 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 a really good one um, mm-hmm. in terms of looking at. Um, the beginning teacher who's saying, what the hell did I get myself into? Uh, and then as you evolve and grow and learn, hopefully, uh, you shed some of that stuff and move into, you know, I'm not so bad at this. Um, now I need to learn a little bit more to make myself uh, feel comfortable. And I, I, I see that as an evolution uh, process that um, needs to happen. You know, because we have we have people who say constantly, I accept all children, but, but, but by the way, they can't swear, um, you know, they can't hit, they can't, a number of things. Right. I accept all children them. as long as they dot, dot, exactly. dot. Exactly. <laughs> Do what I want. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that that happens because uh, at the beginning, there are um, individuals, there are institutions, there are training sites that actually help adults develop that frame of mind at the beginning. Um, and then they have to discover, uh, you know, what is reality and how to make that happen the more that they work with, with children. And I wonder um, if that process is often prevented. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of shedding um, those ideas and moving on, uh, if those might be prevented in, in some way by the kits mm-hmm. or by a particular book or by, 
a particular <clears throat> practice because uh, people often select what they are most comfortable with at that time. Right. So people sometimes get stuck in that uh, process. And that's what worries me. The kit, the bullying kit can get people stuck mm-hmm. in terms of the process. And it's hard to get out of being stuck mm-hmm. sometimes uh, because it's more comfortable to stay there. It's, I'm not saying it's right. It's just more right. comfortable to stay there. Mm-hmm. And that's my worry about bullying is it's become comfortable to use a term, to use a practice that I know I don't have to shed. It's just easier to handle it that way right. and classify it. Even talking to family members about bullying, I'm thinking, no, don't do that. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> where I wanted to go next is yeah. what about the, the, the parent or caregiver who picks up at the end of the day and is like, you know, he keeps talking about so-and-so. And I really think that my son is being bullied or my daughter is being bullied. And we, like all those conversations, we have to be prepared to, um, to do no harm in those, in those situations. Um, it doesn't right. do, find it's a fine line, right? To, right. To but it doesn't what's it, being said without sounding like you're poo-pooing it right. without escalating it. Right. right. You have to walk a really fine line. My strategy has always been uh, to get the uh, deeper definition, right? Give me some more data. You know, that's a big word. Wow. Thanks for letting me know. Let's get specific, you know, paint me a clear picture so I can have a handle. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't, I'm not criticizing that parent. I'm not saying that they're being unreasonable to use that language. Cause again, that's, what's been sold to them. That's what's most familiar. And that's that protective urge. Of course they want to figure that out. Um, but we have to, uh, yeah, then we have two sides to serve and figure out and, and navigate. I do the same thing. I start with the emotional side of the brain first. Always head towards that side of the brain that says, I can tell that this subject is really important to you. And then go into what Lisa's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I need more information. Here's yeah. the data. Uh, because it would be a concern for us also. And this is how we're going to look at this together right. yeah. um, approach. So one doesn't exclude the other, essentially. But I think often we get um, sucked into, um, well, I'm worried that you're worried kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, that's a high emotion conversation. Our well, best brain's not going to be there yet. So that's an excellent time to say, could we do this on the phone? Could we do a zoom call later? Right now I got to get coats on everybody else. Right, and, right. um, or I need to, I need to process a little bit and I'm happy to talk to you about this. Um, because that always like, hijacks my amygdala, however you pronounce that <laughs> word. <laughs> And often the question has nothing to do with bullying. It has mm-hmm. to do with, am I a good parent? Yeah. Right. Um, right. Am I following through with that? You know, if you read the signals, yeah. um, it then invites a different kind of a topic approach yeah. um, to what it is you're saying. So, yeah. 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 I am. Um, this is sort of related, but not really. It's just kind of a funny story. But I got an email a month or so ago from one of my preschool moms. Um, and she was like, I just need to know what's happening. My daughter every night comes home and talks about the fighting with this kid, Alex. And she says they hit each other all the time. And then they end up in timeout and they're both crying. And she was like, he's, she's mentioned Alex several times. So I'm sure that part of it's real. And I was like, we don't have anyone named Alec. We never use timeout and I've never seen her act in any way. Like that. Oh God. I love that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. so, and her mom was like, oh yeah, her imagination has been pretty active lately. <laughs> I love that stuff. Where they have the whole class convinced they have a brother named Marty. You know, and there's <laughs> Marty. <laughs> Marty. <laughs> you know the other kids were like where's marty like we were at a family picnic where's marty and the mom's like marty and he's like yeah your brother marty you don't have a brother named marty in my head i do Uh, (laughs) all right that was fun (laughs) did i derail everything that's okay what else did what else is on your mind with this one dan because i know i know you're the one if if attachment because i think you know, James Gabarino's done out of the game research. He indicates, you know, again, you have to create that climate where a child feels a part of. And if they don't find it, they continue searching for it. Mm-hmm. And if they still don't find it, they create their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes their own isn't necessarily what people want as they get <laughs> older. I'm not talking about childhood. Yeah. But again, you know, and he indicates that, you know, people have, children have to develop attachment by the time they're five or they never will when I first heard that I thought no that's not true (laughs) but then what he's really saying again is that um, we really want to form that sense of relationship building early so that children can feel successful and continue on um, with their development that makes sense to me but when we use the term bullying we're actually um, not forming a sense of attachment we're forming a sense of isolation in and, terms of that right process. just with our language we've pushed that child yes. out of the community yes that we say we're really working to to develop so i'm if that's true heather and i believe it is that we're pushing children out of that community i'm going to do everything possible to get back in that mm-hmm. community and the best way to do that is to probably do behavior quote that's the worst yeah <laughs> it's recognizable immediately uh-huh. by everybody yeah but you know suggesting that what that child is doing is not bad that is natural in terms of the process um is it, more difficult for people yeah to accept yeah and, and therefore attachment's more difficult to attain exactly because then we have all kinds of repair we have to do Yes. Before yes. we before we get into the actual work of relationship building, we have to repair the ruptures that are there, and that's hard work. Well, if, if our head is so far in the sand that we actually think the kids don't realize that we are, you know, that we, they know you don't like them. They know that you're frustrated with. They they know that you know just because they're two, three, four. You know, we forget sometimes that we're animals and you, you got that limbic resonance. You walk in, you can tell when somebody has got that weird vibe for you, you can feel it. And we forget. Yes. That's an evolutionary fight for survival (laughs) that we don't give enough credit to, I think. So rather than thinking if people would stop looking at how to um, not have bullies or quote bully behavior, Mm and move into a reflective framework of what can I do to create that sense of belonging, then they would not have to worry about the bullying Mm -hmm. topic. Um, And I think it sounds an easy solution. And like Lisa said earlier, it really is an easy solution Mm -hmm. if you're open-minded and and look at the process and not look at how to punish, because that's where the focus has been is how to punish the quote yes. bully and focus more on how to create so 
the bully feels a part of something where they don't have to prove themselves in certain behaviors, to me is much more thoughtful um, mm -hmm. and preventing whatever it is that they want. Yeah. That's preventative. That's, exactly. that's why then you don't have bullies in middle school. Right. Because you grew up in this kind of a, of a educational space. Right, right, right. I, I, also, if we if we if we told teachers they weren't allowed to a preschool people that they weren't allowed to use that word anymore. Yes. You know, sometimes you 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 see what you want to see. You know, right. I, I have that new kit that I want to use. So therefore, I must find some behavior that needs the kit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've had times when uh, I mean, that's just it. I've, I've told teachers you can't use these words about this child anymore, whether it was bullying or mean or aggressive or disrespectful, all those things. And um, at one point I had a teacher who was really struggling. Um, we were sitting in my office and um, I said, let's let's make a list of five things that you think the child is good at or that you like about the child. And sometimes that's really a struggle for the ones who are in the middle of that. So we'd get this list of four or five words. And then I'd say, what can you think about your day? And in your day with that child, where could you honor those five things? Like, how could you be intentional about meeting him in the block area when that's what he's good at? Or um, having the conversation about whatever the conversation, you know, whatever his really hot topic is and be intentional five times a day about those things. And it, it's hard work, but it, um, I mean, that sometimes that's the only way to get people out of that, um, that negative relationship. And honestly, I don't think teachers want to be in that either. I don't think they want to think about children in that way or that they um, feel good about any of that, that experience, but they just sometimes are so stuck not knowing how to get out of it. And we throw the bullying word on it and we don't have to try as hard to get out of it now because this is just, a, not me. this is it's just it. a cultural problem and um, we're seeing it all over and there's really not much I know how to do with it. We're really avoiding, Heather, I agree with you, but I, I there are teachers <laughs> and, and I'm gonna be saying something that's not gonna be like shot. <laughs> And yeah. There are teachers <laughs> who really have selected this field mm. to be power over people. Oh, yeah. I and suppose. so therefore, and again, <laughs> I'm not suggesting there's a lot, yeah. although I'm worried that <laughs> I'm worried that, that we're moving in the direction where it's just easier to allow people who are mm -hmm. power over people to be in the field. Yeah. But I think part, if you're a power over person, you're going to use bullying as um, a factor uh, in, in your approach with, it's, with kids. Mm -hmm. It's just looking at, um, I'm going to be power with, I'm going to make so that I'm the powerful one and you're not, by golly. I'm going <laughs> to make sure, damn it, that you're not going to be able to do this. So part of it is labeling a child bully because that makes the adult feel better about their approach. I was just going to say, though, do you think that those folks are really happy and enjoying their job? That, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't know that anyone who has that mindset goes home feeling, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I do I'm believe that some people go home thinking. Feeling good about it? I got them. Yeah. Like, oh, um, sure. You're right. And, and, and I've not, been in I'm enough early childhood person, Facebook groups <laughs> <laughs> that there are some people who go home honestly thinking, uh, I'm, I made sure that they didn't get over me today. That's right. 
Right. Or telling a story about how they made a child really unhappy. Like this isn't early childhood, but um, sixth grade, I went to a parent teacher conference for my son and his shop teacher was telling me the story of how he made Curtis cry. Like I was going to think it was a funny joke. Exactly. And yes. I did not think it was a funny joke and he didn't try that again. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. Okay. All right. You're right. And yeah. that doesn't exclude the fact there are a number of people who are out there trying to make changes. Sure in their life that doesn't sure. ex exclude them i just <laughs> i just I'm, know i'm gonna get messages from this episode that are like oh, you're painting I, the field with a broad brush but we have to be realistic every field yes. has garbage <laughs> going yes. on yes. and if we're not realistic about it we can't fix it and um you know we're here to do no harm and and if we don't talk about the stuff that pisses us off <laughs> Well, it can be it can be hard to hear maybe your own self reflected in a yeah. you know in a yeah. conversation or or it gives you pause like you never stop to think about that before mm -hmm. or maybe I never stop to think how quick I am to react to certain behaviors and to yeah. label it um, you know as even a, a defense mechanism that mm -hmm. that I've now have a power dynamic in the classroom you know, so now I'm, I'm now in essence in competition with the, with the, the leader powerful kid in the class. Right. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm, I'm trying to be the big boss man over all the children. Now this little, now this one kid is emerging <laughs> as the boss man over. So I got to be the boss over the boss of the boss man. <laughs> Look at all that energy <laughs> taking up. Oh my God. You're in a power struggle with a three-year-old. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Look who's the biggest audience member. Hmm. It's the adult. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, it, it's yep. such a wasted time. <laughs> yeah. And missed opportunities, right? Yes. For real, authentic connection and creating a true sense of belonging. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I remember a hundred years ago, I mean, Dan, like many topics, Dan kind of opened my eyes that first time that I ever, you know, I, I, I heard you at some point say, you know, you can't have a bully if you don't have a victim. Mm -hmm. right. And I was like, ooh, yeah. and that's so true. So it was at that point where I started to really pay attention to the power dynamics that were happening in the classroom. And I mean, and I riff about this now in many of my own workshops but as you know with the characters and it's 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 i what i'll say now is that it's like an unbalanced chemistry equation right all the power is on one side so we're not empowering the one kid by fighting her battles for her nor are we um modeling how to be a part of a group if we just put the other kid the instigator in in a timeout mm -hmm. so but then that goes back to what i kind of started by saying is that you got to be willing to sit in that spot mm -hmm and not be in a hurry to get to resolution. Yes. Right, yes. how do I how do I teach them? How do I stand on the side not being disengaged but assisting the children in navigating mm -hmm. this, giving them the tools they need, maybe some coaching, but not feeling that I have to be the boss of it being over. Like sitting yeah. in that the muck. And that can be very unsettling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially, to let it take its own time. Yes. Yeah. I, and, and I think it taking the time to observe um, what's going on mm -hmm. to me is more powerful than jumping in. Yes. Um, and trying to solve it. 
Because um, teacher Tom always talks about uh, people who say, I, I keep trying and trying and trying and nothing changes. And of course he says, then stop trying <laughs> and, and look at, at, at it in a different way. And I think part of that um, is a skill that um, is often missed um, because we're so busy trying to solve it Mm -hmm. um, that the children are ignored in terms of the process of, of being able to handle a lot of this um, themselves and yeah. create the problem solving um, that's necessary. And, and I, I want to jump. I want to jump on that. Yeah, it's go ahead. Sometimes when we're and I'm thinking playground now, more thinking yeah. now in the playground. Yeah. Are we are we too quick to to too quick? Oh, you know, and and how do you know if children? How do you know, sorry, too many words in my head. Anna Quinlan says at some point you need to move to the sidelines of their lives, which is where you belong if you did your job right. Yes. So how often are we giving ourselves the opportunity to intentionally step aside and, 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 and check in? You know, I think I'm teaching them all of this stuff. I think I'm modeling how to get your shovel back. I think I'm modeling how to use your words. <laughs> how do you know if you if you jump in every 10 seconds? Yeah. You never give them the opportunity. You you don't get to do it like an assessment of what you think you're you have taught them how to do. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's one of the things that um, so there's a, just a connection that I'm reminded of, but so, you know, I've been working, everybody knows I've been working in a, a preschool that's a speech therapy preschool. So the kids there have, who are the ones who are there for speech therapy, they have 20 minutes a day where they go with their clinician and the, the grad student really works specifically on their goals with targeted, you know, whatever. And that, so that they measure one thing and that's how they do in those targeted times. And then they measure, okay, but do they take those skills out and is it generalized into their life? So the same sounds that they're working on in their individual therapy, are they then able to make in conversation when things are more exciting and they're moving faster and they're interacting with their peers? And that's how we know when we really are seeing that connection. And so that's just what you're describing, Lisa. Yeah. We, we, we see our teacher actions, we understand our own intentions, but unless we sit back and watch them in their natural habitat with other happy. children, <laughs> We don't know if, if that's, if a difference is being made. And so we do, we need to step out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we overreact. I think one of the blessings of my own childhood was that there was five of us and my mom did family <laughs> childcare, you know, and so we weren't under a microscope, you know, and you uh -huh. did have to figure some things out, but if, you know, you're under, if you're looking at absolutely everything, you know, that one, you know, kind of smack of get out of my way gets mm -hmm. like escalated into some teacher, like, <gasps> you know, we don't hit our friends at school. <laughs> and you're like, my God, it, I wasn't hitting anybody. I was pushing her out of the way. Cause I needed to get to the, the duck you know I, <laughs> you know yeah. Just, yeah. yeah or Curtis and Jesse I used to step in on their you know their little rough and tumble play and they would be like mom we're just fighting it's yeah. fine, <laughs> fine. leave us alone yeah. yeah and I think you know that's part of what we were talking about at the beginning that separating the aggressive child and the assertive child those assertive behaviors is really what I want Mm -hmm, I, good I things, want yeah. children to say, I want that first. I want them to say, you know, those kinds of right. um, get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can't I'm expect adults right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not. <laughs> we can't expect adults to set these healthy boundaries that we keep yes. telling people they need to set if we've never given them any practice with that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yikes. Well, yeah, we're about we want that when they're older. 
yeah. as parents, family members, we want children to be independent, assertive, uh, but for some reason we think that in early childhood, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> we want you to be those things, but don't start until you're seven. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like we forget that it has to be big first, Dan. I'm reminded oh, of like yes. an acting technique. Like I, if you're on stage and you are too loud, I can always tone you down. Absolutely. But if you're up there like this, I'm gonna be like, get you. Oh my God! You can always <laughs> tone down a wild idea. So of course they're like, if they're like baby snakes, right? They don't, they can't control their venom yet. So right. of course, like, get out of my way. Right. That doesn't mean the kid is a bully, you you're know. Right. And of course, exactly. because it's gotta be big before it can be reined in. There yeah. you go. Yeah, and and to bring on to that. I worry more about the compliant child. Yes. The child is saying exactly what you're saying. Get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the we social boundaries. Social, social, social. Well, the social yeah. world will reign, will reign that in. But if you're sitting there, oh my goodness, I'm always more worried about the one that yeah. never says anything. That's a whole other podcast. Yes, it is. Well, not only that, but think about it. How often on Facebook do people talk about the compliant child? Never. Never. <laughs> but now bullying has become the you know topic and thing. Sure. Oh, wait a minute, shouldn't we be concerned about? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's 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 interesting what we accept as appropriate behavior for children. Mm-hmm. Still, it's interesting. We accept the child who um sits when we ask them to sit, but the child who hides under the table and says, make me, um, <laughs> is, is a totally different child and now has become a bully, essentially. Yes, yes, and, disrespectful. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which is also a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that word's on my list. Okay, so we're at an hour. Oh. Um, <laughs> I know, it flew by. Yay. <laughs> But that's Don't okay. Be a bully, I know I'm soft, <laughs> but I'm I'm laughing about it now. So <laughs> this was good. Thank you both so much Thanks for um, having us for being on. on. And I, I bet we get a lot of feedback. So um, I'll be tagging you two into comments when the podcast posts, <laughs> so you can help me um, with that. But um, but thanks. This was this was a good conversation, and hopefully it gives folks a lot to think about. And thank you, um, everybody, for listening. Thank you, guys, both. We'll see you you. again next week.